Hello and welcome to the One Board Podcast. I am Rick White and with me as always is a man who eats banana cream pies for breakfast. It's Ryan Gutowski. How are you? Oh man, I wish I had banana cream pie. I actually had a donut. Uh, no, no, I had a bagel. Looks like you a have donut. a banana cream pie bagel. <laughs> that would, uh, that would at that be point, weird. at that point, it's a donut, right? Yeah, at that point, it's just a uh, banana cream pie filled donut. Exactly. Uh, yeah. 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 No, Ryan, I had an I, everything bagel. It was I am on a fancy microphone now. Like yeah, I've, yeah. it's yeah. been how many years that we've been doing this podcast, and I finally got a fancy microphone. Yeah, I mean, the first couple of episodes, you just decided to like talk into a tin can and hook it into your USB port. That right. worked for a little while. So. Yes, I electrocuted myself several times, <laughs> um, but that's all right. No, I, I found one for a cheap price but what i'm already realizing is there are drawbacks like when i do my internet searching in the middle of our podcast like yeah you can hear me typing and that's unfortunate yeah so there's <laughs> so gonna, gonna be have probably to be less focused i guess i guess i, I guess. guess so that's good that's good rick becoming a big boy yeah, so. I guess so. Ryan, it's been a long time since we did one of these. I mostly blame you and Bob, but mostly, uh, it's mostly. been <laughs> it's been quite some time. How have you been, sir? Good, good. It's been, uh, we're just, you know, summertime. It's tough to have a normal schedule during summer when the kids are out of school. And we did a little vacation. We just uh, came back from Florida and stuff like that. So, but it's been good. It's been a good nice. summer so far. Wonderful. Well, we're doing the whole, we... There was, we were like sick at our house for like three weeks, which was, oh man. And my wife's pregnant, and you know, she's now in her eighth month. So we're like on the way. So we're working on getting the house ready. And, but we did have, uh, we had a board game night for our church group last Wednesday. That was pretty cool. Nice. Um, I was at one point, you know, helping run three different tables of people. So that was pretty cool. We played like, um, Downforce, we played, uh, Mars Open. Uh, Skull. I'd say Mars Open and Skull were probably the big hits of the evening. Very cool. Um, yeah, those were pretty well loved by everyone. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. Mars Open. I got to get that back to the table. Uh, there's so many people that I know would love that game, and it's just so much fun. So yeah, I yeah. mean, we had some folks that didn't really game as much and or were new to the group, and it's just something where you can jump in. But also, like something that you normally don't want, and we're not even in whatever we've been playing, but like our, you, you normally don't want a ton of downtime between turns when you're playing yeah. a game. But I think that one, it's kind of like golf or bowling or something where there's, you can kind of talk with each other and have conversations mm-hmm. because there's a decent amount of time in between your turns and you don't really have to focus too much. Um, yeah, and you're also watching other people because some shots, somebody pulls off a crazy shot. The whole house just goes wild. Oh so. yeah. Yeah, so that was fun. Well, Ryan, I mean, I know I broke protocol and started talking about what we were playing already, but let's let's pretend that we have like intro music or something like that was like a mixture of a rooster and a '90s uh, news station uh, theme song. Um, But (laughs) when you you sang that, all I saw was like a beetle out in the woods just crawling on a log and then stopping and then like taking out a trumpet. Just oh. going to town. That's no. what I saw. Well, we told you to stop uh, drinking so much coffee. In the morning. <laughs> um, so, Ryan, what have you been playing? So, first up, uh, I want to talk about Juicy Fruits. Man, so the gum. Um, Are we sponsored by the gum now? 
we are sponsored by Juicy Fruits. Now, uh, Fruit Stripe Gum, the gum that lasts five seconds. Oh, like could call it Juicy honey. Fruits. Though that is the name of a gum, we are sponsored by Fruit Stripe. It yes. seems like poor marketing, but that's what we've chosen to Very do. Very poor marketing. So, um, Juicy Fruits is a new game from um, Capstone Games. Capstone is normally known for some of the uh, more heavy games. Uh, Pipeline is one of them. You know, um, Capstone kind of has a lot of heavy games that they they as part of their catalog um well this is part of their family line i didn't even know this existed i think it's called capstone family it's an imprint and so they're going to i think this is their first release as a family game but juicy fruits is a game where everybody has their own island and you are moving around these baskets of fruit and depending on how many spaces you move the baskets of fruit on the island. It's basically just like, you know, those uh, puzzles that you'll get, you get like one of those little nine piece or 12 piece puzzles where you have to move the uh, squares and you have to move them. Where there's like a car in a traffic jam and you move them around so that the car can exit. Yeah, very similar. At first I thought that you were talking about just a standard nine piece puzzle and you were like, you know, when you get nine piece puzzles and you're just sitting there doing nine piece puzzles, like I haven't done those in a while, Ryan. I mean, Phoebe's doing them, but you know, yeah, (laughs) my baby's doing them, but you know, each their own. Um, Everybody's at a different skill level. Uh, But no, this uh, you've got this little puzzle where you're each time you move a basket of fruit. So if I move a basket of bananas to spaces, I get two bananas to use as resources. And so what you're trying to do is kind of clear some space on your board because all around your island, you have these cargo ships that these cargo boats that are wanting specific uh, fruits. So maybe it wants a pomegranate and two bananas. Well, when you get those, you can ship them off on that boat. But also there's all these other things that you can do. You can, uh, you can, pour resources into the, uh, in the middle of the two boards, uh, right above the scoring track, you actually have, uh, a bottling plant for, uh, soda, a soda bottling plant. You can pour resources into that and get points. Um, you can, uh, pour resource resources into, was that my phone? God, you're so just unprofessional. I did not mute it. Okay. Oh, now I'm muted. But, uh, anyway, so, and then you can pour resources into some of the tracks that are at top, up top to buy things like an ice cream cart or buy a building that you can put on your island to kind of block. It's worth a certain number of victory points, but it also blocks a part of your island. So it makes it a little more complicated mm-hmm. to get around. I like the um, idea that you might have an ice cream cart on an island before you have a building. Like absolutely that's, that's yeah. some serious prioritization there like somebody came you know, over with their ice cream cart and they're like i'm gonna see if i can make it on this island we, you know we we could do with some shelter from the wind and the rain but first i need a dilly bar like we got to take care of that first absolutely can i get an ice cream float before i get home so <laughs> priorities people um but juicy fruits is it is a family game but man it is it's a little thinky it it's a lot of fun to play. I was very, very impressed. So impressed that after Bob taught us the game, I immediately found a place that was selling it. Uh, visited one of our local, uh, one of our favorite uh, game shops in Florida. So while we were on vacation, we stopped by Bearded Brown Coats Comics and Games in Ocala, Florida. Shout out to them. Love that store and picked up a copy for ourselves. And we are proud owners of Juicy Fruits now. 
So nice. Um, I'm not a huge fan of the title. Um, I'm not either. I'm not either. Right there makes me want to not check it out, but it sounds like it's got some pretty cool stuff. Um, it, for those people that heard me typing, because that's something that can happen now. Um, I was looking at the BGG page for the game, and I saw that one of the fruits is a mango steam. And yeah, I don't know what a mango steam was, yeah. so I was doing some Wikipedia searching. Apparently, it is uh, a tropical evergreen tree with edible fruit native to tropical lands surrounding the Indian Ocean. Never had a mangosteen. I haven't we should, Maybe we should go find some. Yeah, it, some. it's a it's a really fun game. So you're going to see some coverage of Juicy Fruits. If you uh, already follow us on Instagram or Facebook, you've already seen some pictures. The components are beautiful, really cute game. I I'm very surprised by it and very, very happy that we own it now. Yeah, so. beautiful mangosteens. Yeah. Um, Ryan, I had a Kickstarter come in um, actually pretty quickly. Um, you know, for those that maybe aren't as focused on Kickstarters and things like that, um, there's mm-hmm. been a lot of press lately about how challenging it is because shipping prices have increased so much. Um, how yeah. some of the issues that Kickstarters are facing. Well, this one um, was just a small um, card game. Like a kind of like a button shy game, uh, but it's not a button shy game. Um, it's called The Market, a pocket game. Now, I will go ahead and say, um, going back to titles, The Market is a not great name for a game when you're trying to find it on BGG or anything mm. else because it's kind of like, you know, the game, you know, yeah, when you're yeah. trying to just do research or even find it on any sort of web, you know web search or anything like that it's not super fun so but let's let's ignore that for a moment um i backed this one because of the price it was quite affordable but also the artwork was really cool um and so it's a game from g wesley cone i don't exactly know who that is but um besides the designer of this game um but it's from a company i assume called anthem creations or at least that's the website it directs you to um that have put out a a game called imperium hero before but anyway that's that's way more than people wanted to know um the market's like a small card game that kind of works like splendor where you've got three cards uh, it's two players three cards in front of each person that represent three different resources and you rotate them to show how many you have so like it's got a zero at the top of the card a one on the right side and so forth so you kind of rotate it so on your turn what you can do is you can add two resources to your um collection you can or you can buy things and so from the market and the market has things that are related to your resources so like one of your resources is compost and so you're buying Hmm. um things related to like farming and stuff like that Well, when you buy those things, they give you victory points, but they also um, give you one of those resources permanently, kind of like Splendor or many other card games like that, Mm -hmm. where you so now like things will be more affordable because you've got one permanent resource. Um, And so um, you play until one person gets 10 points. um, And so you're just going back and forth buying um, you draw cards from the top of a deck, so you don't necessarily know what you might be able, if you can afford what you're drawing. Um, you kind of have a little bit of pressure luck risk taking there. Um, I found it to be pretty interesting. Um, Sarah and I played it a couple times the other day. Um, 
and it kind of scratches that splendor itch um, mm-hmm. in a very quick way. Um, it's certainly not something that's you know going to hold you and hold your attention for a long period of time. But it's one of those like um, like Fox in the Forest right now is a yeah. game that Sarah and I break out every now and then, um, and just a little two player game. And so this could maybe be one of those. Um, where we go back and revisit it from time to time because the rules are simple. It's easy to relearn if you needed to, um, and you're able to play it. Um, It's got a fairly small footprint. Like we played it on a, we played it on my daughter's little Ikea toddler table. So um, I I think uh, it can fit kind of anywhere. So it's a nice little game. The uh, price point for it kind of attract you to the Kickstarter originally or what? Yeah. Yeah. I think I got it like 12 bucks um, okay. with like $5 shipping. So something, and like right now you can get the print and play version for $5. Um, uh, they're selling it on anthemcreations.com for 14 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's a pre-order right now though. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, small, small little card game, you know, but really very, I like the artwork a lot. My wife was like, it's, the style is almost bordering on messy to the point that she doesn't like it, but I, I personally enjoy it. And um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's something that it probably exists somewhere like a, this kind of game in a card game form. But you know, if you're not wanting to break out a big game of splendor or something like that, then this would definitely uh, be able to satisfy that, uh, that particular itch very quickly. That's probably a good, good choice to take on vacation or take with you on the go. Cause I know sometimes I'll want to play a bigger game or play something that makes you think, but it, it's not really a suitable game. Like we just, uh, we went out, uh, for one night, uh, to visit some family for a funeral. And, uh, I packed a couple small, small games, things that mm-hmm. fit in a bag, uh, just in case we were sitting around as family and stuff like that. Um, but there was no way I was going to pack, you know, um, Your a board big game board bag. game. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys have talked, I mean, Sarah and I have maybe played board games once, um, when we were, like at a restaurant, we don't really do that that often because we don't really go anywhere that often anymore. Um, toddlers. Um, yes. but, uh, but yeah, I think it could be one of those too. That's awesome. Very cool. Yeah. So my next, uh, what you've been playing game is Bosk. Do you remember Bosk, uh, floodgate games? Um, um no, but you know, I'm not afraid to Google it like right here, right Google now. It. So, so Bosk was, uh, Bosk was one of those very beautiful games. Um, Daryl Andrews, um, let me look up when it was published. Hold on one second. 2019. 2019. Yeah. Oh yeah. It's the one that I kept getting confused with, um, uh, parks. Photosynthesis. Oh, with parks. Okay. Like at least the look of the box. I was like, oh, it's parks and it's not. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So Daryl Andrews and Erica, uh, I don't, Boyaris, um, I don't know how to pronounce the Erica's last name. So pardon me about that. Um, but so the artwork, love it. Quancha Moria did it. And I floodgate games, you know, they, they have one of our favorite games, Sagrada. And so Bosque was kind of like this thing that people, People were looking at at uh, Origins 2019, and we stopped by and and, and took a look at it. Uh, kind of saw a little demo of the game and stuff like that. But Bosk is a beautiful game about leaves falling. Basically, you're planting, you're putting these trees on this board, um, taking turns plant, putting these trees out there. And it's kind of tactical in the way that you're 
putting the trees of your color onto the board because there's it's broken up into four phases a uh i think it starts with winter i don't have the game in front of me right now but it's it's basically the four seasons and so the first season you're going to drop the trees onto the board in player order and then the then you're going to score based on criteria of like uh rows and columns okay and then the next season the third season their leaves are going to fall off the trees and I you're going that to one's play autumn. I would guess that's, that that's that autumn. autumn. Yes. And so, and then in the last season in winter, I guess you would, uh, you would go ahead and count the points. It's an area control game at that point. Mm-hmm. And so, um, Josiah and I played, I only played it two players so far, but I got a copy of it because it was on sale at a Barnes and Noble while we were going through some through town in Florida. And so I found a copy of it. I was like, man, this is a game I've wanted. It looks beautiful. Let's, let's just check it out. And so I went ahead and bought it. Uh, very happy with the purchase. Um, I want to try to play it at two and three players to see how crowded the board gets. Uh, the board has, it's a double-sided board. So two players on one side and then three and four on the other side. And there's like a, a highlighted ring, a haloed ring around it. So you kind of, for three players, you play on the inner ring and then four players, you go all the way to the edge. So, um, mm. but Bosk, I'm impressed. I mean, the quality of the components is really good. If you like area control games, this might be right up your alley. Um, definitely don't feel like it's a Sagrada type of game. Like when we play Sagrada, usually we end up saying one more game, you know, or we'll mm-hmm. take it with us and play a couple times in a week. Um, but Bosk, yeah, I'm, I'm happy with the purchase and I'm glad I own it now. So. Nice. So not too overlapping with photosynthesis. It's its own thing. No, uh, I think photosynthesis, what's interesting about both of these games, they both feel a little bit like chess or checkers where you're trying to control an area and you're trying to make the best possible move at that moment. Um, mm-hmm. and, and put your, put your pieces in a place that is going to block your opponent or one up your opponent. So they both have that about them, mm-hmm. but they're very, very different games. Gotcha. Like uh, I couldn't see selling one and being like, this is fine, you know, because gotcha. they both scratch a different itch. I do like how Bosk breaks up into four different. It, it kind of feels like um, blue lagoon. So you and I both have copies of blue lagoon mm-hmm. and that is a very like there's a phase one and there's a phase two. The game is right, broken right. up into two halves. I like that. You know, mm-hmm. Bosk has that same. If you don't plan in phase one, there's no way you're getting to phase three and expecting decent points. You know, right. so um, it has that same feel of make sure that you're planning for the future. So, yeah. Awesome. Sounds good. Well, I'll have to try it sometime. Yeah, we'll, um, we'll play sometime. Next time I see you, I'll, yeah. I'll bring it because I think yeah, you would really enjoy it. Yeah, 2023. Uh, <laughs> um, the last one I've got here is Hunt a Killer, Death at a Dive Bar. Mm. Now, um, you might have seen in your Facebook ads at some point, Hunt a Killer series. Yes. Um, most of them are like kind of the murder mystery in a box kind of approach, but they are over like, you know, three to five different packs. So you like, it's like a box subscription service kind of thing. And they're on the pricey side. Um, But this one is like a one box kind of situation where um, 
so I I was doing a board game uh, camp uh, this summer with with some students, and I was uh, running a little bit late one day, and so the counselor or the leader of the camp, who also likes board games, brought this with her and gave it to the students to get started, and I joined them uh, about halfway through, and. It kind of has that feeling of Chronicles of Crime, Detective, Sherlock Holmes, Consulting mm-hmm. Detective, um, where there's some sort of crime that's happened and you've got to figure out what's going on. But the difference here is that um, the the components are much more substantial. So like mm-hmm. Chronicles of Crime, you you know, uh, most of it's based in the app. Same thing with the detective where like Chronicles of Crime, you use the same pictures of everybody and you scan their little QR codes yep. so that multiple, and that's, you know, being resourceful and it makes sense so that it's more replayable. This game is not going for replayability. You're going to play it once and be done with it. But what I've found interesting is how they really went for like a lifelike um, uh, approach to the game. Mm-hmm. So um, there are things like, um, a random picture is on a piece of paper that's separate from everything. That's a security cam footage. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, this is something we saw. There are like crime scene photos that are individually, you know, cut up and there's um, a packet of information that looks like it came off of a printer from like a cop um, Mm -hmm. and was stapled up at the top left corner. So it's, it's got kind of this realistic feel of, you know, you know, solving a crime. And the one that we did also came with some like, interesting puzzles and mechanics. Um, I don't want to spoil anything for anybody that might want to check it out, but like some of the things that you had to do with some of the stuff was really interesting. Um, It kind of has that, you know, escape room feel um, to it. So um, it was really cool. And uh, uh, another thing that I liked as far as components, the final and a big part of the game Mm-hmm. was trying to get into like this security uh, pouch. So it had like a lock on it that you had to figure out. There were hints as to what the password would be. And so you had to comb through the information to figure out what the what it would be. And then once you mm-hmm. open that, that was like a big step in the right direction. It's kind of like, yeah. um, you know, escape rooms that have two rooms and you are heading into the next room, which is something I haven't seen in this type of game before. So that was kind of cool. Yeah. But overall, like... Um, I don't think, I don't know that I would spend the full price. I think I saw it for like 40 bucks. Um, I don't mm-hmm. know that I would spend that much on it. Um, for 20 bucks, maybe you and, you know, another, if it could be like a couple's date night thing, like you, if, I mean, it could just be you and your significant other, or maybe yeah. you get another couple to join you or something like that. And instead of going to an escape room, you do this. And I would say, I would say that um, this is, it's not as, you know, an escape room has this feel of being locked in and, you know, having that kind of stuff. But this mm-hmm. you're, is going to take you longer and it's going to be cheaper if you get it on sale. Um, and I think you'll have more fun with it. And if you fold it up all nice and get it ready to go, you can pass it on to somebody else. So, nice. um, you know, lots of games like that. But uh, it's an interesting take on like the escape room mystery solving thing that I really yeah, enjoyed. Yeah, that's cool. And and that's something that, you, you know, you and Sarah have always enjoyed. Um, it, 
Aaron is not a huge puzzle fan, so she doesn't right. she doesn't necessarily like the cooperative uh, games. Uh, it's actually very rare that we find a co-op that she likes. It's because um, she hates people. We know she hates people. No, she uh, she always feels like if there's a puzzle to solve, she's not going to insert herself. You know, uh, with co-ops, what happens a lot of times is somebody will quarterback and be like, "Do this, do this, do this, find this," and she's so much the opposite of that. She's like, "Let me sit back, right. let me." digest figure this thing out and so co-ops aren't her thing but i know the two of you have always liked the escape rooms and things like that i've liked the unlock series um uh, i've enjoyed some of those uh with some friends and stuff and so and yeah. chronicles of crime of course one of my favorites so yeah that's cool yeah i mean this would be something if you find it on sale maybe grab one you know i think they have a couple others that are in the single game format yep um yep. But yeah, something worth checking out. Very cool. Cool. Yeah. So you had a you had an idea for this episode, and I like the idea because it's actually an idea that I was thinking about a couple of days ago. So uh, one board family uh, started five years ago, and so we've got reviews out there that are five years old. We've got yeah. uh, games that we played five years ago and thought very highly of, and then as our board game shelves expanded and as we had to move our dining room into a living room space and take that over as a game room um you know we've experienced a lot of new games and new types of games so let's take a look back at some old reviews so i think you're gonna you're gonna kind of lead this because you went back through tell tell me about how you did that yeah, so what I've done is I've pulled them all from around July of the past five years. So okay. it could be one year old. It could be, well, I went, I didn't do any that were just a year old, but I went back between 2016 and 2019 around July-ish. So just, I don't know why, just felt like that. Um, summertime games, yeah. Yeah, yeah, summertime games. And so what I wanted to do was kind of go through, and I've noticed you do way more of the reviews than I do. Um, <laughs> but uh, um, the idea here is to kind of see what is it that you said about these games back then, and do you still think they hold true? Um, and so let's start, you want to start newest or oldest? Oldest, I think. You want to start oldest? Okay. All right, then we'll go to 2016. Young Ryan, you know, new at this board game review stuff. There we go. Totally. We've got Onitama that mm-hmm. was back in 2016. Mm-hmm. Um, and your statement in one of your quotes was, Onitama is absolutely one of the best two-player games we've found and a game that will stay on the table for years to come. So looking back on that quote, what do you, do you think that's true? Do you, how, how has, how has Onitama aged for you? So I still agree with that. Um, I've suggested, I mean, it was, it was just like two weeks ago that I suggested Onitama to a friend. Um, with one caveat, I, I, I totally agree with that. We lent out Onitama to somebody about a year and a half to two years ago, and it has not shown back up. So if you're listening to this podcast and you have our copy of Onitama, I would really like it back because it's a game that my son Josiah really likes. It's a game that Aaron and I would sit there and just play back and forth and really enjoyed it. Um, Onitama is chess light, but with Mm -hmm. some really cool strategic... I love the cards. Uh, I really like how that game was built. And and I never played any of the expansions, but just base core Onitama is an excellent game. And I still stand by uh, that, that quote. 
So yeah, yeah, I played that with um, Adrian a while back, um, and he really liked it. He and I do really well on those kind of that kind of that and Santorini have been where some of our more um, you know intense head to head matchups yeah, have gone, yeah. where it's kind of like you said chess like. Um, mm-hmm where you really have to think through each move and what you're going to do and think several moves ahead. So, absolutely, um, yeah. you know, my, uh, my ADD brain style does, it's, it's weird. I'm okay at those games, but it's like, I'm pretty good at making a decision like three or four moves in advance, but I'm not ever looking at like a ton of moves in advance. Really? Yeah, yeah. That doesn't happen too often, but um, all right. Uh, another two-player game from 2016 is Raptor, mm-hmm. um, and it's you said it's hard to find a great game that is made for two players. I know that this game will get a lot of time on our dining room table. So has Raptor done the same thing as Onitama for you? It has not, and oh. there's a couple of reasons why. So I actually gave we away We lit out Raptor. the game two years ago. <laughs> <laughs> we actually gave away our copy of Raptor. Um, it okay. found a new home and a very happy home, and I'm glad we <laughs> gave it. Was it a pet? Was it a real raptor? It was a pet. It was a real raptor. We kept it in a little box, and we put air holes in it. Um, yeah. But raptor is, raptor is still a fantastic two-player game. Here's the problem. There's a little game called Unmatched that came out, mm. and Unmatched is such an excellent two-player game and similar so what is so good about raptor is you've got these asymmetrical abilities you have the raptor and you have the scientists and the raptors and scientists both move differently react differently have different weapons have different attack styles you have two completely different uh goals goals for your people and Somehow it's balanced. I remember the first couple of times we played it. I mean, we owned the game for a couple of months before we we wrote a review for it. But um, the first couple of months we played it, I remember Aaron saying, well, the scientists are overpowered. That's why you're winning. And I'm like, okay, well, let's switch sides. And then the very next time she's like, oh, never mind. Nope, <laughs> never mind. And, and that's exactly what it is. In fact, the people that we gave the game to they came back to us and they were like, we thought one side was totally lopsided and then you get to play the other side and you're like, Nope, it's not. Yeah. It's, it's very strategic. It is a great game. Um, but unmatched kind of fills that role that Raptor right. did. So, uh, we can swap out. We can have Bruce Lee fight the invisible man, the invisible man fight Jekyll and Hyde. We can have Buffy, the vampire slayer fight King Arthur. Right. And, that's why Raptors no longer the game we go to because Unmatched has replaced it. Yeah. Well, and I mean, if you look at it now, like 402 is its ranking on BGG, which is pretty good. Yeah. Um, and I remember when you first talked about this, this is one of your first reviews. And when I was first starting to kind of talk with you guys, this is one that I was really interested in. Mm-hmm. Um and we played it when we went to Spain and we went to a board game cafe. It was like okay. the first time I'd ever seen it um, outside of your house. And so I was like, this is going to be awesome. So I sat there, bored Sarah to death, I'm sure, by reading the rule book. Um, but I found it surprisingly more violent than I was expecting because you straight <laughs> up eat people. Yes. Um, uh, but I do. And that's part of why I part of the thing that intrigues me about, you know, having this discussion is I do think board games 
you know, more so than I would have thought getting into the hobby, they can replace each other. Like, because they're constantly, people are playing games and then coming up with their own ideas that improve on mechanics. And so, like, something like Raptor that is a great game, it's just somebody took that and they made it even better. And so, it's like, if, if you could play the better thing, why would you want to play the other one? You know? And so, and cause we only have, we have a limited amount of time in our lives. And so, um, the idea that sometimes a game might step in, you know, and take the place of something I think is worth considering. Yeah. I think, I think if we never played unmatched, I think Raptor would still be in our collection. It's just, I, I don't have any reason to go back and play Raptor when I have unmatched and I have everything from unmatched, you know, one, this is one that I did. Yes. Uh, from 2017. Sure, sure. Go for okay, it. Cool. So you reviewed Jungle Speed. This is a game that you've mm-hmm. actually uh, played with students, uh, with students that you teach. You've played it with family. Um, one of your quotes from this review from 2017 was, if you can't tell, I really like Jungle Speed and I really think you should pick up a copy. Do you feel still feel that way? So the reason I put this one on there um, is because uh I had students literally playing this game last week um, as part of the last week of camp that I taught. um, Some of them wanted to do board game design and then me trying to show them kind of some of the things you can do with board game design. I brought this out because it's so quick to learn and it's so easy to play. Um, It's one of those that like uh, when I play it, it's funny, like some of the games I play with my students, I can kind of get the sense that there will be a lot of people that will like this game for a mm-hmm. long time. I've played this one, you know, I've had it for four years and I've played it with tons of students over the years and they really all just like it because it's so simple, so easy to play um, and so enjoyable. And so, yeah, this is one that I think there are games that it's like, it's, it's like, this is not a great game necessarily. Mm-hmm. It is a very good game. But it's one that you will play possibly it's it's possibly forever because you can always break it out. It's it's not hard. You know, mm-hmm. you'll you'll have an audience for it pretty easily. It's kind of like um strike that we've been talking about recently. Yeah, yeah. Like um I still I I don't know how I feel about buying the box because like I said, I have dice in a bowl. Um yeah, yeah. but but we played strike with my family. And, you know, we played it one night while we were visiting. And then the very next day, um, some friends came over and my parents wanted to play it again. Mm -hmm. So it's Mm -hmm. like one of those things where it's like that liars dice, you know, jungle speed. Those are things that I can keep playing, you know, for years and years and years. And I think jungle speed's kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. It is. uh, I've never actually played jungle speed, but I've watched people play jungle speed. So I'm not a, I'm not a speed game person. Like I'll play, Mm. what is it? Taco goat cheese, taco cat goat cheese pizza. Oh yeah. yeah. That's also well loved by my students. Stupid silly. Um, But yeah, it's, I'm not a speed game person, but I've seen it played and people enjoy it. So yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think it caters a little more towards younger students because it's not as much strategy and stuff like that. Um, when you've got kids that are not wanting to really think through their games a lot, that's a good mm-hmm. one to play. So, yep. All right. Another one from 2017, Ryan herbaceous. Yes. Um, from the packaging of the game to the well-written instructions, herbaceous was really impressed, uh, really impressed our family. This is one filler game that will be out during many game nights and family gatherings. 
So has Herbaceous continued to live on for you? Yeah, I would say yes. I like Herbaceous a lot. And in fact, I brought it, I brought it somewhere. No, I had, uh, I was having lunch here and one of my friends came over for lunch and I said, you know what, let me bust this out. I still think it's one of the best card only set collection games out there. Uh, Herbaceous has this weird thing of you have two, you draw a card, you decide whether you're going to keep it or you're going to put it out for the community garden. And then you have to draw the other card and do the opposite. Um, it's, it, it's tough deciding sometimes when you're collecting certain things and it, you almost have to be stingy with what you do and, and look for just that right time to grab those community garden cards and uh, plant it into your box. Um, they, it's a really great set collection game. It's one that stands up. Uh, what is it? 2017. I think it had been out a year or less than a year at the time. Um, I don't think it was a 2017 release, but herbaceous is fantastic. They've, they've actually pencil first games is actually, uh, done a travel version of herbaceous and then uh a follow-up herbaceous sprouts which is a dice game which i've played uh both really fun but herbaceous still stands up to me so yeah is it do you think a big part of it is that it's about growing things and gardening and things like that yeah that i, I connect with the gardening portion of it um i think it's just beautiful beth sobel's artwork of course is fantastic as always um so it, it's hard. I mean, it's a very pretty card game. And for a person who doesn't play a lot of games, it's very easy to set that down and say, all you have to do is pick up a card, make a decision, and then the other card does the other thing. And that's it. And then when you feel like it's time, you grab those cards from the middle and plant. And so it's, uh, it's an easy game to teach. And, uh, you know, pure set collection game, one of the best out there. Awesome. I apologize for my table moving. My dog has decided to just get up and push my table around. So that's, you know, for the podcasting audience. Um, (laughs) um, So quickly, we'll get through the rest of them because I'm sure people are tired of us talking. Um, Cold Water Crown 2018. Mm-hmm. This game is a solid example of how gameplay can change the mind of a person that may not connect with a specific theme. Never in my life did I think I would want to proudly display a board game about fishing. Is Coldwater Crown still on display for you, Ryan? Absolutely. In fact, two weeks ago, I said, Aaron, we need to play Coldwater Crown. It's been a little bit. And it's a game that when we take, when we go on our family vacation every year uh, to the mountains uh, with my side of the family, Coldwater Crown is always in the bag. I love that game. And it's it's a game that I got my uh, my brother-in-law, who is an avid, very good fisherman. Um, he played it. His At the time, he, they were just dating at the time. His wife played it and loved it. She, I think she beat us in it. You know, um, mm-hmm. it, Coldwater Crown's fantastic. In fact, Freshwater Fly, which was the next uh, fishing game that was published by Bellwater Weather Games, that one was phenomenal too. I don't own that one, but it is fantastic. Both games made me a believer. So there you go. And um, another one you've got on here from 2018, Jetpack Joyride. Now it kickstarted in 2018. So, mm-hmm. um, but you wrote this or you said, cause this was actually a video review you and Bob did yep. um, together and lucky duck has hit it out of the park. This is a fantastic game. 
the kids really stuck to it. As soon as we played our first time, my son asked to play it again. So is Jetpack Joyride one that you've continued to play? This is very sad. No. Oh, so, goodness. Jetpack Joyride is really, really good. Um, it's it's a speed puzzle thing. My son loves it. Uh, all three of the kids will play it. But I've got to be 100% honest. When we got, we played the prototype a year, like before we got, we played the prototype a lot. And then when I got the game on kick, through Kickstarter, when it fulfilled, everything was perfect, beautiful game. We've only played it twice. It's kind of crazy. Is, is it just kind of a, it was the flavor of a week kind of thing or? I think I it's mean, just kind of gotten pushed to the back, you know, yeah. so many, so many other games. I don't think I'm ready to get rid of it. Because right. it's still really good, but mm-hmm. I'm, we're just not playing it, you know? Yeah. And so um, my I actually, our kids, uh, they had a they had a board game club uh, startup at their school, and we actually gave them a copy of that. And so they've actually taught some peers. It's cool that they know how to play it, and they feel yeah. comfortable enough to tell friends how to play. So that's pretty cool. So Gotcha. And then finally, we've got uh, Draftosaurus from 2019. And you said this was one of the first games we played at Origins this year that made us say, we have to own this game. So now, would you still say that Draftosaurus is like a must-have game? Absolutely. A couple dozen times we've played that game. Draftosaurus still comes out. And actually, just uh, probably about a month ago, I did the review for the Aerial aerial show yeah yeah aerial show expansion and so uh the expansion is excellent adds just a little extra layer to the game um it's still a draft source is still great so it's one of the it's kind of like herbaceous it is a straight set collection thing it's easy to teach it'll hit the table for years i probably won't ever get rid of it just because if i'm playing games with a seven-year-old and a 50-year-old Draftosaurus is the game that I'm going to pick. Yeah. You know, you know, Draftosaurus is an interesting one because, um, you know, we've talked a lot about playing on like board game arena. Yeah. Um, and it's on there now. And I've played it a few times and I think it loses a little bit of magic on there. Like there's a lot of games mm. that I think, like Seven Wonders, for instance, I prefer Seven Wonders online um, because okay. it moves a lot quicker. It kind of helps you figure out the cost of things by its, you know, by, automatically and things like that. I really like it that way. Um, Draftosaurus, for some reason to me, just it goes by really fast, yeah. like almost too fast. Like you're done with the game in like five minutes. And mm-hmm. while some people might like that, it just, I don't know. For me, it, it loses something and it feels too shallow or something. Or, or it's just, I feel disconnected from it when I play it online. Is so. it because you're not with the people? Because uh, when you say that, you know, I, I thought about what if strike was online? What if strike was just in a digital atmosphere? There's yeah. no chance I would play it. Right. Because part well, of the, the, the rambunctiousness around the table of somebody like throwing all their dice in the bowl and they've got like eight dice and somehow they leave with nothing. People right. go crazy. People are holding on with just two dice in their hand for six rounds. It's like, how are you doing that? And there's you can't you don't have that right. online it's right. impossible right well and, and i think as I, in comparing it to like seven wonders because it is it's a you know meeple drafting game i guess yeah, yeah. but like i don't know maybe it's because 
it's a lighter game. And so a lot of the fun comes from, like you said, those community interactions versus mm-hmm. like seven wonders. You don't, you're not going to be talking a lot during seven wonders. You're going to be focused on what you're doing. Even sushi go a little bit, you know, you're mm-hmm. focused on the cards and checking all of them out with the dinosaur game. You're you're, or with the dinosaur game draft making these choices a lot quicker. And so maybe it's, um, I don't know, maybe it, it thrives because it allows you to play and have fun, but also, have a little bit of social time mm, yeah. and things like that. I don't know, but it just, yeah, it doesn't work as well for me. Have you tried it online yet? I haven't tried it online. I'm interested in seeing, I, I could see exactly what you're talking about that it might pass by really fast. Yeah. I could definitely imagine that. So, yeah. So, yeah. Well, Ryan, that's kind of a look back. And I think, you know, another part of it too is seeing when we talk about games and how much we like them. Um, I think, you're different from me in that you are, I am one that will quickly admit to saying like, I may play it once and I might be happy to never mm-hmm. play it again for a lot of board games. Um, I don't, I have very few that I repeat and it's kind of like it. It's kind of like how I, sometimes I make fun of people that have a bunch of books and it's like, you're going to read the book once and then give it away or it's going to sit on the shelf. It's like, mm-hmm. well, you're going to play a board game once and then never play it again. What's the difference? Um, so, but I think you do a much better job of like, repeating games and having games that you come back to even while you're playing the new stuff. Um, I try to, and I think my family keeps me grounded in that way because my, my youngest doesn't want to learn a new game. She's told me, even though she's great at games, she's told me, I don't want to learn anything new. I'm like, okay, that's fine. My oldest only wants to play games that are easy. And then Aaron from time to time, she's like, Hey, this week I can't learn a new game. So we can't play, we can't play something we're previewing. I got to stick to something I know my brain's kind of full. And so my family keeps me grounded in that way where it's like, oh, I guess we're playing Century Golem Edition. You know, we've played it a hundred times. We'll play it again, you know, so, which is good. Well, and and, and as people hear this, you know, it can be challenging maybe sometimes to figure out which of these games, if you're on a budget, like, you know, most of us are, and you can't buy every game you hear us talk about. I think you're hearing like some of the ones we've talked about are, you know, like Draftosaurus, Herbaceous, you know, those are games, Coldwater Crown, that you'll get a lot of playtime out of. And, you know, games we were talking about at the beginning, like Mars Open and Skull. Like, those are mm-hmm. games that are on the older side that we are continuing to bring to the table. So that means they've got some legs on them if you're not really wanting to do the play it twice and then never see it again. Mm-hmm. So you could you could feel a little safer in investing in those as we look back on them. But That's right. Ryan, we recorded an episode, and I'm so proud of us. Yes, you know, I'm proud. pat on the back. Yeah, we are amazing, and um, <laughs> and now my voice is my voice is crystal clear, and it sounds maybe it next nice. time I'll do the whole podcast like this, like I'm on NPR. Um, but we could, um, you know, it was good to be able to talk some board games, and maybe yeah, soon yeah. we'll like play them and stuff. That'll be awesome, man. That'll be very yeah. cool. I need to travel up to Atlanta before uh, baby number two gets here so that uh, we can get some game time in. Yeah. So for very those cool. of you out there listening, which hopefully there are still some left, um, we, uh, you know, we're one board family, have a ton of stuff on our website. Um, Ryan has been, you know, plugging away at putting us out some great reviews. Bob and I have been taking naps. Um, Bob's been taking cool photos, though. Um <laughs> Uh, and of course, Ryan still Ryan and Aaron are doing their unmatched stuff, which is awesome. Um, and uh, so, a lot of people 
still enjoy those videos a lot. Yeah. Um, and you've got your show that you do on Mondays. You're just like a recording fiend, like at this point. Man, it's I crazy. just I, it, I will tell you that this hobby and doing and running one board family is is a creative outlet. It's it's something that I look forward to and I love to do. So yeah, definitely awesome. need it. Yeah, so check out our YouTube, Instagram, Facebook. Um, check out our Patreon if you want to support us. We do reverse birthday gifts, so it gets you a free yeah. game every year if you uh, support us, and it allows us to do things like buy cool microphones. Um, but Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, and so thank you guys for listening, and until next time, we'll see you at the table. Where we all bring something to the table. Pull up a chair at punchboardmedia.com.